Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's no better place to spend the holidays than in Kansas City. In fact, Kansas City has one of the great Christmas traditions in all of the United States. It's the Mayor's Christmas Tree Fund. You may see the Mayor's Christmas Tree, but did you know that's raising money for people in Kansas City who can't make ends meet? It all started back in the late 1800s. Here's the story from me and Diane Houston. Well, we all know Christmas is such a special time in Kansas City, so much going on. But the Mayor's Christmas Tree, I think, is something we look at and we go, hmm, that's pretty cool. But I don't think any of us, including me, until we started this podcast today, had any idea of what it was really about. I mean, we go back to the 1800s, and this sucker was basically a way of the mayor saying, we need to help out some needy families, so we're going to kind of start a Christmas tree fund with this. Exactly, and I think it's really unbelievable to think. And it's really actually a pretty unelusive history. It was really hard for me to do the research on this, which doesn't happen, I guess, too often. But there's not, you know, it's really an elusive history that that really encapsulates Kansas City spirit. And and it and it goes all the way back to 1878, which is just incredible. Yeah. No, I, I was going to say I, I was I was doing some research outside of what you did on this, and I was on the city's website, and it's like, well, legend has it that this, and I'm like, legend has it. How about Diane right. Houston has it? She <laughs> she's know. got the legit story on all of this and how all of this went down, and it started quite honestly. You know, I figured I'd, I'd heard of just about everybody that's been important in this town over the years. I never heard of this mayor George Shelley before, who got one of the coolest things started. I know George Shelley is a really good dude, and I, I really enjoy him. I've, I've researched a lot about him in general because he does take over Kansas City at a really critical time. We're talking about just after Hannibal Bridge is, is has been built, the Civil War is over, Kansas City's booming. It's a town of fifty thousand at this point in eighteen seventy eight, which of course now sounds like Penance. That's like Prairie Village, but whatever. Um, it's still a huge. It's a huge area, and Mayor Shelley he has got a cool history. He was born in eighteen forty eight in uh, Kentucky, like most of them were born in Kentucky, um, spent his childhood in Keokuk, Iowa, and then went to Princeton University. So the guy had to have been pretty smart, mm-hmm. um, ends up in Kansas City, like so many people did. It was it became kind of a hub, a, a, a place to be a place to build a business. And he, he got into the dry goods business, like so many of these pioneers did. Um, so he's in Kansas City by 1870. So he's a pretty early, early uh, person to arrive. He's nominated for five times, five times to be mayor. And I want to clarify that 
Thank God. Can you imagine having a mayoral election every year? Yeah, that would be crazy. That's what I saw Horrible. five times. I'm like, five <laughs> times? But he was only mayor for five years or whatever it was. Like, yeah, it, like no. every year. No, my goodness. Yeah. So you, they had a mayoral election. I mean, you got to remember only white men voted. So I guess it, and it was a whiskey party. So whatever. But but they did. They nominated somebody every year from both parties. Um, and he was the Democratic. Everybody was a Democrat, of course, even then. But um, he was nominated five times in his life and the term was one year. So he had to be nominated again. So his first term he becomes mayor in 1878. Um, and he's at City Hall and City Hall's like falling apart. I, you know, I don't think they built it like for Boomtown. So it's like falling apart. So they called it the old shack. And um, I love it because it, back in these days, you could just like open up the mayor's door and be like, hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> I don't think maybe maybe Quentin Lucas would be okay with that. Maybe not. But I mean, you, it was a it, there was a sign above the door painted that said "All are welcome." Yeah, like, I, come on in. I guess so. Well, it seemed like the mayor people. back then served like a different purpose than what it served now. It seemed like the mayor back then was all about, "Hey, man, if you need something, come see me, and I'll take care of it." Versus a you guy know, running a city or running a really big business right now, which is what the mayor of every yeah. town is. You know. And the mayor what oversaw everything to a degree, but we have, you know, it's not nearly to the scale of what we have today. And we have, you know, Pendergast to thank for a lot of the changes that happened because of corruption. But at this time it was, it, there was no charities really that existed besides, you know, some, some women that created organizations, things like that, orphan homes and things like that. But there isn't like a city union mission, like you're homeless, so you can go stay somewhere. Um, there was nothing like that. So the mayor was really considered to be the one in charge of helping those in need. So I love this. So in winter 1878, they're having a, a pretty bad winter. And there's a several, there's a lot of families and a lot of men who are out of work. And he just kept thinking like, there's no way that these people are going to be able to have a Christmas. There's just no way. And so he went out on his own and being in the dry goods business, I'm sure he went shopping at his own place, but um, he bought some staple supplies and put them in baskets, which was kind of what you did when you brought something to somebody as you gave them a basket with it. And um, made a list of heads of households of the men he knew were in dire straits. And that, of course, would include their families, but mm -hmm. made a list of the head of households to, so he could track because he was a mayor, you know, he's going to be detailed. And he purchases also 50 cords of wood. That's a lot of wood. It's a lot of wood. Yeah, it's a it's a ton it's of a wood. lot of wood. Like, <laughs> like, if you don't know how big a cord of wood is, it's hard to explain. I mean, it is a ton of wood. A lot of wood. Usually but I mean, that's dropped your off in your driveway when you're you know burning in a fire pit. That's one times that by 50. It's a ton. It's a lot of wood. So he orders 50 uh, cords of wood. And I love this. He puts this in the old town square. We don't even have a city market yet. The old town square, which was actually founded by the French settlement, uh, which is where city market is today. It was still just the town square. And he just sticks it in a corner in the city market, that area. And the police are like, dude, yeah, like you need to hire somebody to guard this. Or do you want us to guard this? And he's like, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the point. And the, the police say, well, there's thieves. They're going to come and steal it. He's like, he, and I love this. He said, warm folks do not steal wood. Mm -hmm. So he just, he put it out there, didn't say anything about it, didn't ask for credit about it. It wasn't even until 1925 that he even pretty much admitted this even happened. It was on his own dollar. Talk about a, I mean, talk about a rock star guy. Well, what, what it made, made things out to, to, to be is, as I'm reading your, your writings on this and, and, and looking about this Christmas tree that the mayor has come up with, it seems so much easier back then without red tape, like just to get things done. Like, and, and it seemed you just to did it. Like, like politics back then seemed mm -hmm. to be more about the people and, and giving back to the Absolutely. people than it is, you know, today. 
it's definitely was definitely less complicated back then. You did what was right because it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask for permission. You just, right, did. You just did. And nobody, yeah. nobody came at you and said, no, you're not doing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes from the baskets to the wood. Nowadays, if you want to give anybody anything, there's like 10 layers of red tape to go through before you can even give somebody a donation or something. I know it's, it's unbelievable. And like, can I have a receipt for my tax return? Right. Like, yeah. Nobody, there was none of that. I mean, and he, it was so cool because he, he ends up asking the city for help. And it was really, I had to get deep to try to even find evidence of this, but he did ask the city for help. He asked people to bring cooked provisions. Could you imagine people dropping off yeah. like, like half a turkey? <laughs> I mean, restaurants can't even, even give let, away food I know. Anymore, you know? I know. But they're like, yeah, just bring whatever, like sliced or not. We don't care. So bring cooked provisions and baskets on Christmas and we will distribute them. The mayor will decide who gets them. So he had done some of the shopping and then he does plea to Kansas Cityans and Kansas Cityans answer the call. So Christmas Eve, because this is what a mayor would do on Christmas Eve in 1878. On Christmas Eve, he turned the council room into a distribution center, for lack of a better term. He had bags of flour on one side of the room. He had 400 baskets that he was filling himself along with just some extra people that were willing to lend a hand. He ends up having three butchers. This is so not okay. It's like so not health code. <laughs> Can you imagine? Right. <laughs> like, like in the middle of city hall, like just butchers, you know, but whatever. He has three butchers handing out carving meat and they're putting them into these baskets to, to, to give to needy families. He had his list, but the need was so strong and people knew that this was going on, that they were coming even early. They were going to distribute the next day. And so he was like, we're just going to give them, we'll write their names down and ask them a couple of questions, but we're not going to say no, we're just going to give. And so they were there until 930 on Christmas Eve that evening. And because the city hall was such a disaster at this point, they didn't even allow gas lamps because they were afraid the place would like blow up. So they did it by candlelight, which just to me, I mean, could it not be better? I mean, you could just imagine this uh, by candlelight putting these, doing a good deed and, and having people from city, you know, the city manager and other people help you do this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, but I think, but I think it, it shows a bigger story than just the Christmas thing. I mean, I've yeah. always said, you know, Kansas city is very generous. I didn't realize it goes back to like 1878 and started with mm-hmm. the mayor where all of this, like, let's help out each other because here we sit in 2020 in the middle of this pandemic, pandemic, hopefully the tail end of this pandemic. But even before the pandemic, we've seen this town come alive and help people in need and help people when they needed it most and help their neighbor. And it really it goes back to the early days of this town. Like basically the day it was started, people yeah. started helping each other. That's what you did. It was in, in that whole love your neighbor. It really this and even prior to this, this was how Kansas City, I think that's why so many people, even when they leave, they come home, they come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do have, you go to other cities. I, I was in St. Louis. I lived in St. Louis too. It's just not the same. And I'm not, you know, not saying I hate St. Louis. I'm just saying it's not the same. Kansas city does have a spirit that I think has been with it since, since it's founding. I really think that Kansas city is just a very unique place, you know, and, and the mayor to do something like this. And you think he goes, this was such a success. And I mean, I love this. They're, they're filling these baskets at candlelight Christmas Eve. And all of a sudden it occurs to him that there's need right underneath him. And this is something I had to really look into because I, I read tramps room and yeah. my mind went all over the place. You can imagine. I was like, I don't know if this means what I think it means. <laughs> like, let's help the tramps. I'm like, what is this? Well, so the tramps room. Was it's not a whorehouse is what we're getting. It's there, not right? a, it, there, there are no ladies of the night right. in the tramps room. Yeah. Different meaning. And of course, tramp does mean like a desolate person indeed. But, but in my head, I was like, 
I feel like I need more explanation, but it was such a, just, that was their term. They didn't even bother to explain it. I finally figured it out. What it was is city jail was underneath his feet. So city hall, and then they put the jail in the basement and along with the jail in the basement, they had one of the largest rooms in the winter. They would let the tramps, the people that were homeless Uh stay in the largest room because they had no place to go. And that was something the mayor allowed. And so all of a sudden it occurred to him. He's like, we have needy people right underneath us. So before he left Christmas Eve, he took down two baskets and they say uh, 16 men devoured the baskets in eight minutes. And we're just so grateful, Um, which I just love that story because it's like, I mean, I didn't know that the tramps room. I guess it, they wanted to go to jail for warmth. I mean, essentially, I mean, that yeah. was, and it wasn't Three even hots that the cot, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever you got to do. So I just think that's a pretty cool story. So the, the numbers in total that I could find were that he was able to feed 322 families that first year, 1,309 Kansas Cityans. And the population here was only 50,000. That's a pretty big pretty number. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So then it was such a huge deal that the even the, the newspaper was like, this has got to become a tradition. This is amazing. And so the mayor was all about it. So the next year in 1879, he, he goes ahead and he's going to do the same thing. But he knows that he's not going to have the butchers in city halls, the council room anymore. So they went ahead and, and put it at Turner Hall, which was a hall at 10th and Main. It was actually uh, de- demolished in 1919. Of course, it's not there. Looks like but, a beautiful building. Like I look at that and yeah. I go, why would they demolish something like that? You know, that's one thing Kansas City's not good at is historic preservation. Oh, <laughs> it's bad. It's real bad here. So in any case, he knew that there wasn't enough room. So they decided to move it to Turner Hall. And again, they're spending Christmas Day. Like this is what they're doing. This is what the mayor did Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And so... They hung gaily, gay, gay decorations around. The, I love the wording from 1879. Uh, it was gaily decorated with evergreen. Um, there was a star that hung from the ceiling. There was a large bell that they said that was supposed to be chimed to help the poor find, you know, harmony or something like this. Um, it was. They did have candlelighted Christmas trees, but I want to clarify. As we've learned before, we did a podcast on this last year. The first real lit lighted Christmas tree of size was in Westport in 1883. So when right. I say a, there were lighted Christmas trees, I mean like tabletop little nugget trees, not like a full Big ones, Christmas yeah. tree. But if I were to credit the mayor for the for the first tree, I'm going to give it to George Shelley. I am. Yeah. So you have to, he had. Yeah. yeah, have to. So anyway, he had them. These little small trees. They fed. They had 350 baskets. They were full of meat, vegetables, sugar, tea, coffee, canned goods. Oysters for the lucky, because I don't know if you knew, but back, yeah, back in the day, oysters were a delicacy. That was something people of, with financial means would eat on Easter or excuse me, on, on Christmas. Um, I don't know. Oysters out of a can. That sounds lovely. So that was something that they did. A thousand people showed up. He was able to give everyone uh, a Christmas and he even dressed up as Santa Claus along with other city employees. They took turns. So love me some Mayor Shelley. Unfortunately, mayor decided not to rerun for election and another man took over in 1880 and he decided not to continue the tradition. I don't know why it doesn't say, but he was not as charitable. I'll just say. Uh Um, And he also eliminated the tramps room. They got rid of it. So that was eliminated with the next mayor. So it took 15 more mayors and 27 years for us to have the official mayor's Christmas tree fund, which is pretty, I mean, that's a long time for nobody else to step up, but 
hats off to George Shelley. And I love the fact that he was alive when this happened. So he got to see it be resurrected. Well, why so, did they decide to resurrect it, though? And, and, and I understand, like, sometimes you got to make cuts. I get all that, how people do that. But what was the impetus to kind of get it back? It was Mayor Crittenden at the time who brought it back, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, right? And he started to give out gifts mm-hmm. to the kids and all that stuff. Well, why did yeah. he decide that, hey, this is a thing that we're going to do and we're going to bring back? There was a lot more need then city was huge at that point you're talking about a a massive population Mm -hmm. also uh, demographically we had shifted so and and one of the things i didn't even mention in the the article i ended up writing about this but uh was that he didn't he didn't even crittenden tt crittenden thomas theodore crittenden who's the mayor who did start the christmas tree fund he didn't um he didn't uh, hold back charity for because of race it was a, everybody was invited, which I, I know that sounds like, well, obviously that was not an obviously in 1908 at all. So, um, I, you know, it's a good question. I, I think that they knew they needed, I think the spirit to continue is part of it. And this guy, Thomas Crittenden, a lot of people have heard his name before because his father was governor of the state of Missouri in the 1880s. He grew up in Warrensburg, comes to Kansas city. He works as a city clerk, becomes mayor. And he installed, he kind of was in charge of a lot of important projects, like getting Thomas Swope to donate 1,200 acres, mm-hmm. the Union Station being yeah. approved. Um, and, then, and then he goes down in history with this, which is pretty cool. So he ends up in 1908 officially starting this. But a couple of years earlier, an organization called the Fraternal Order of the Eagles had started a, a small Christmas celebration where they brought in needy kids and would give them a Christmas. And the next year, it was such a success. They brought in kids that were from the orphanages around town and the mayor participated. That inspired him to go, you know, I have, what do, what do you think about doing a mayor's fund and, and doing this for the, the city? And, and his friend was like, that oh, sounds like a great idea. And that's how the mayor's Christmas tree fund grew. Mm-hmm. And it all started with needy children. It was needy children. So we went from families and, you know, to children specifically and it becomes a big, you know, a pretty big deal. He pled to Kansas City to help, you know, make the fund nice and big. And, it, you know, was able to get organizations around Kansas City to do- donate in 1908 $10,000. That's a lot, a lot of money, of money back then. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, you can give somebody a very Merry Christmas back then, for even now for $10,000, right? right? I, take, I, take a, I take 10G, no problem. Yeah. Um, he, secu- he secured Convention Hall, which was the biggest facility in Kansas City at the time. It's the site of Barney Alice Plaza now, basically. Um, and he's able to supply. They were gonna, each child was going to receive five toys, a box of candy, nuts, an orange, and a banana. I love, I love <laughs> the gift list there. An orange and a banana and nuts. I mean, but you <laughs> needed to eat back then, you know? You need well, today. Fruit was expensive in these days. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like bananas and oranges and stuff. They weren't weren't in season. Around here and and weren't in season at that point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So they would have been a delicacy. I love, too, that they also had clowns there, which Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of clowns. But they had clowns there, and they they did until 1922. It was like a tradition. I was like, get the clowns out of here. And then once the event started to get a little bit more like, you know, singing Christmas songs like Silent Night, the clowns didn't really fit with the facade. They're like, clowns got to go. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Well, unless but, the uh, clowns were dancing to Silent Night. I don't know. That, that would be weird too. <laughs> so 5,000 children showed up on Christmas Day to get their gifts. And um, 2,000 of them were turned away because they didn't have enough, which is wow. so sad. So the mayor scrambled along with the pop, you know, with his, uh, you know, cabinet and was able to bag up another 2,000 gifts and have them come back the next day to get what they needed. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was amazing. So in 1908 to 1935, this tradition continues mayor to mayor. 
Um, and it's always the mayor's Christmas tree fund is always at convention hall. And then a convention hall was replaced. As I said before, a municipal auditorium was built. So it was moved there. And it's really unclear. Like if the tree itself, because you know, like the tree is the symbol of the actual charity. And we just think that I think mayor's Christmas tree. I really don't think charity. I think like crown center. Oh, know? I think crown center. You think ice skating and, and because this story, I don't know that it's really been told enough. You know, no. I don't think people today even know that's a charitable arm. Right. I know. And it, it's a, that's exactly what it started as. And so I'm not really sure where, where the tree itself was. I think it really was with the org, you know, inside with the display for mm-hmm. many years and where things really change is H row Bartle. Shocker. H. Roll Bartle comes in a mayor from 1956 to 1963. Of course, the guy who got the Chiefs here, uh, the Dallas Texans. In the first year, he decides it's always been for kids. He decides he wants to change it to help the elderly. So then it changes the format altogether. They're like, we're going to play music from the top of the Liberty Memorial. And that's it. It's like, wait, 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 what? And I mean, I'm sure they had a tree and things like that. But the whole tradition of what we imagine today starts with Bartle, even mm-hmm. though he kind of squashed what the original meaning behind it was, which was helping kids. So he does this for several years, this elderly reach out, which is true. There were a lot of people that didn't have family and I get it. So he was the first to bring on a new tradition and a lot he, of voters. And, yeah, exactly. Um, 30 foot tree. He places at municipal auditorium park. And that is the first tradition, the first time that we ever have an actual lighting of the tree with the mayor. So mm-hmm. where the, 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 you know, they flip the switch. That was H. Roll Bartle is the first public ceremony with the mayor lighting a tree. And that was in 1957. So it took, it, that was a while. No doubt. And, yeah. uh, and so for the 50th anniversary, they, they had a 35 foot tree that they cut down from Swope Park. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, of course, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the tree, they end up in 1959, moving it from Municipal to Gillum Park at 39th and Gillum. And mm-hmm. there, there's going to be some people that are listening to this that are going to go, I remember this. Because they had a massive nativity scene, like full-blown, full people, live people and animals. Can you imagine the city doing wow. a nativity scene? First of all, not okay anymore. But they had a full-blown nativity scene every night like actors and the whole thing and the mayor's Christmas tree was right next to it. And that went on essentially until 1973. So they ended up in, in 1973 crown center became the center essentially to, I'm sure they petitioned somehow, you know, there's always under the deal, who knows, but the mayor's Christmas tree was moved to crown center in 1973 and 1981 is when they started making commemorative ornaments. And people don't even know about these. I think this is cool. I didn't know about this until today that there was a commemorative ornament for this. Yeah. That's why I got on and started looking at it. It's designed it's cool. by Hallmark and everything. It's I know. Awesome. Yeah. They're really cool. So what they are is they take the wood from the tree the prior year. And our tree now is one of the biggest in the nation. It's 100 feet tall this year, I believe. Um, I mean, it's bigger than Rockefeller Center, I think, this year, too. But they take the wood and we recycle it by making ornaments for the following year. And those ornaments are what help build the Christmas tree fund to actually give to needy families. So there's no big parade. And can you imagine now, too, like, hey, the mayor wants to invite a bunch of poor people to celebrate with him would not be either PC also, because that's just that's it. I mean, that's promoting something that isn't okay anymore. Mm -hmm. So the real the real outreach is that tree is a symbol for Kansas City spirit of giving back during the holidays and has been essentially around, or the idea, the spirit has been around since 1878. 
Um, it, it's just, I, I just think it's the coolest thing ever and people should know about that. I think the ornament originally cost $5.50. It's not that anymore. No. <laughs> but but it's it just goes to an incredible cause that is, it, it, one of the things is that a mayor is always, um, I believe that Mayor Lucas is the 19th mayor now to continue this tradition of the Mayor's Christmas Tree Fund. And to, or the, you know, in the 19th to essentially light a tree. I, I just think it's one of those things that we, we overlook as being something that's so, up, it's just like it happens and whatever, but it, there's so much more to it. Like you said, the, the, the mayor's, the website doesn't even give any information. Yeah. And it's such a cool story about just some really giving people who have carried on a tradition that really shows and embodies Kansas City spirit. I always tell people Kansas City is the most giving place in the United States. Well, as you can see, it's not something that just happened yesterday. It's something that's been going on since the 1870s. Pretty cool to think about how many people have been helped over the years by the mayor's Christmas tree. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.